Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. And Dustin, today it is all top 40. Our KSN Top 40 rankings, we're getting closer and closer to that number one hit, aren't we? We sure are, and I think, uh, full disclosure, we've been talking about this, and we've been giving every player so much attention in this series that now it's like, oh man, camp's starting, we got to get this thing over with, (laughs) that's where we're at. (laughs) So I think, well, you know, programming alert, we'll be going through eight of the remaining 16 names today. Uh, and then eight more, and then the final eight in, in next week's show. And then we'll move on to previewing the season in the more traditional formats, I would imagine. <laughs> exactly. That That's a little peek behind the curtains, Dustin. We did an old bleep. <laughs> We're getting to the point where we better get to the top of this list. So without further ado, let's get right to it, Dustin, with number 16. Jonathan Sutherland at linebacker, Jonathan Sutherland. And as important as he is and deserves to be on this list in a high position like we have him here, he's also more important because of the lack of depth at linebacker. It's the position he finds himself in. Um, The Penn State coaching staff has liked him for a long time. He's been a team captain. He wore the number zero last year. Uh, He's gotten captain's awards. I mean, they really like what he brings to the table. And now they've just needed to squeeze him from safety to linebacker. And I think philosophically it's something they're going to want to continue to do. We'll, We'll keep an eye on that. But it's also, you know, the depth that they had at safety, the depth that they did not have at linebacker, and the fact that Jonathan Sutherland, quite frankly, better fits as a linebacker than he does as a safety in terms of his movement. Um, I think if you can ask him to play more downhill and less um, covering ground in in the secondary, probably the better off he is. But a lot really rides on Sutherland being able to handle the job and at, at the very least. And maybe I think the Penn State coaching staff can hopes that he can thrive in the job. And you saw, um, you know, Penn State had had a transfer go to go to Pitt uh, and and become a really really good linebacker where he was where he was a safety before. I think Penn State's hoping to get the same thing out of the, out of Jonathan Sutherland. And you know, to your point, depth at all three of those spots, uh, certainly the two outside spots, is very questionable. So I think a lot of this defense rides on Jonathan Sutherland and being able to handle handle this transition really really well. You make some great points there, Dusty. And yes, there was some more depth at safety. He helped out by going, moving over to the linebacker room. But also part to this is, and I'll uh, give credit where it's due, our buddy T. Frank was the one who told me, hey, Jim, this is what Manny Diaz has called the striker position at when he was at Miami. And it caused me to do a little research. Yes, I do that on occasion, Dusty. And I went and looked up this striker position at Miami, and I found a nice article that talked about it, where literally Manny Diaz found a couple safeties on his roster and trained them to become this special linebacker, 
with the idea that this is where offenses are going, where they there's so much throwing of the ball that it's essentially almost a you know a four-two-five type defense. This is actually having an extra defensive back in on the field, and then it wouldn't matter what the offense does. You are prepared for it and don't have to be subbing in and out if all of a sudden the offense is going to an extra wide receiver or something to that effect. Yeah, I think what it does, I mean, that's a really good description of it. What it does, if, if you have a guy who can handle the rigors of run defense from that spot on the field, then you, you can uh, acclimate and you can be fluent in whatever the opposing offense does because um, it, and not have to tap into all these sub packages and make a bunch of substitutions. That's the idea. And um, I think you know, when it comes to getting to the line of scrimmage and playing that chess match where the offense sees what the defense is doing, they, they audible to a different call, a different formation, a different whatever, then the defense, what can you do to adjust back to that? And this is all part of it, is, is being mobile and being versatile and having a couple spots on your defense where you're not pinned down and, and having a, a big either a big safety or a small linebacker, however you want to put it, um, having, a, having a more um, agile linebacker does allow you to adjust without having to make mass personnel changes. And I don't think it's going to change. I don't think the trajectory of, of modern football is going to change. So the striker position is really a, a modern day twist on things that Penn State was trying to do before. You remember all the different names that, that came through here, Koa Farmer and Braylon Faison Walden. There's a blast from the pass for you. Um, Penn State has always been interested in these guys. Lance Dixon. Lance Dixon is, is another one. Uh, they've always been interested in these guys who weren't prototypical linebackers, but who moved really, really well for the position. And maybe Tony Rojas is a perfect fit for, for this in, in the future. Um, I think uh, when you're looking at the current roster, Jalen Reed certainly at six foot, 215 pounds as a safety looks like maybe he's somebody who can, you know, make that transition forward too after Sutherland leaves. But this will be a really um, meaningful experiment, I think, in 2022 with Sutherland. Not only uh, from the Manny Diaz striker position, but from a you know salvaging the best you can possibly get out of Jonathan Sutherland. Can he can he make one more swing at this thing and, and max out his value? He's a guy who you know he was pretty well regarded um, as a high school player coming out of Canada, and I, I think it just has translated a lot more to special teams than it has on on defense so far. What? I try not to be too harsh with Sutherland and Sean Clifford sometimes, but I, I put it this way to uh, our buddy Bob Flanders once. I said, um, he comes close to making plays and doesn't make them, you know, more than anybody else that I've seen. He's he's in the neighborhood a lot of times, but he does, just doesn't quite get there. So maybe the change of scenery at position will, will, will help him out. And a couple quick points. We saw when Jesse Lucada made the move from linebacker to defensive end. He did it well somehow that his linebacker skills, which may not have been incredible compared to other linebackers, as a defensive end, those skills came in handy. I feel the same way here. People have been critical, say, of his coverage skills as a safety. Okay, that was me. And 
but as a linebacker, you're not comparing them now to the best safeties who are cover people. You're comparing them to linebackers, and I would say on that scale, he's probably going to be a very good coverage linebacker. But I'm going to use this, Dustin, now as the segue to our next guy up, which is Daquan Hardy. I introduced this talking about Miami with Jonathan Sutherland, the striker position, Manny Diaz said, well, in this scenario, you won't have to take guys necessarily off the field and make a swap out. My question is, what happens then to the guy, Daquan Hardy, who is the guy Penn State would put in when they take out the linebacker and be that slot coverage guy? He did it so well. My question is, are they not going to bring him in now because they have Jonathan Sutherland playing that striker position? Or if they bring Daquan Hardy in, who are they taking out? I don't know exactly how all that's going to work. I mean, you can make a case that if it's an obvious passing down, maybe it's Kobe King or Tyler Elsden who, who end up coming out of the game. You know, I, I think if you have an opportunity as a defense to adjust whenever the yardage and the situation dictate it, um, then, then maybe that's what you do. But, I mean, it's all about, you know, having a system is great. Having, having that philosophy is, is imperative, obviously. But also making the most out of the personnel you have is, is ultimately what you want. You always want the 11 best possible players that you can get in a given situation. And Daquan Hardy, in situations where, where other teams go three, four wide receivers, he's going to be one of Penn State's 11 best players in that situation. So I don't know that necessarily Jonathan Sutherland and that role and, and what they're going to ask him to do is going to come at Daquan Hardy's expense. Um, I think you can look at it as, you know, maybe they're, they're, they'll play a little bit more dime, so to speak, or may, you know, I, I think there are ways to adjust the personnel so that you can get your, your best slot coverage guy on the field when you have a, an opposing wide receiver to, to lock down. So it'll be interesting to see how these parts fit. I mean, it's going to be interesting in all kinds of ways to see how Manny Diaz handles his personnel and handles um, how aggressive he might or might not be, how often he comes after the quarterback, how often he sends extra bodies. So there's a lot that we have to learn yet about what Manny Diaz um, wants to do. And I think Jonathan Sutherland is part of that. Um, having that striker position is part of it. But it would be nuts not to lean on on Hardy's sticky coverage skills when you have a small, shifty wide receiver on the field. Dustin, we've talked about this for years, how we become fanboys of specific players. I'm, I'm a Daquan Hardy fanboy. I'm, I lead the fan club. I think he what he does, he's so good at it. Yeah, there's no way you can keep him totally off the field. He's going to have to be in there. And I have no doubt that Manny Diaz is going to have the ability to find ways to uh, to get him get him out there because you have to, right? You do, you do, absolutely. And Hardy is so well proven. He's such a, a good competitor. He's so tough when the ball's in the air. I mean, he's a guy that didn't have as many pass defense reps as some of his peers, but he's still a finish with, I think, five um, passes defended last season. When the ball's in his neighborhood and he has an opportunity to make a play, he does make a play. And I don't think you compromise that just for the philosophy of your of your defense. Um, I'm a big fanboy of him too, you know, and, and I think um, 
Penn State has done pretty well having sort of small cornerbacks. Uh, John Reed being being one of them, uh, Grant Haley being one of them. And I looked up the dimensions before, and Daquan Hardy is almost the exact same size as Avante Maddox, who's having a pretty good pro career with the Eagles, and he played at Pitt. I mean, I don't think the college level is, is the end of the line for Daquan Hardy. I think he's got pro potential in that slot. And you don't bring that off the field arbitrarily just because you're stuck in a certain mindset about your philosophy. He's one of your best cover corners, then you use him. And I'll just quickly give one of my favorite plays from him where he, I believe he ended up intercepting that ball. And they show the replay and what a great play he made on the ball. And I'm like, forget that. The question is, what in the world was the quarterback thinking? Daquan Hardy was all over this guy from the line of scrimmage on. He wasn't open. You don't throw it there. (laughs) Hardy's going to be there. All right. That is it for quarter number one, Dustin. We'll get to players number 14 and 13 in quarter number two. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante. I'm with Dustin Hawkinsmith. We are going over our KSN Top 40 In our first segment, we did number 16, Jonathan Sutherland, number 15, Daquan Hardy. Now it's number 14, and we switch over to the offensive side of the ball with Theo Johnson, the tight end. And Dustin, it's kind of interesting. Uh, There's three tight ends to look at 
Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, a little bit of it's kind of take your pick, right? And and truly, I mean, if you or somebody else were to assemble this list and try to rank the tight ends in terms of their level of importance, I wouldn't blame you if you had Brenton Strange above Theo Johnson. I wouldn't blame you if you had a really, really bright outlook, a brighter outlook than I do on Tyler Warren, for example. I mean, I think the, the point of this Penn State tight ends room is that these three guys collectively as one unit brings bring different looks to the equation, bring the ability for one, two, three of them to be on the field at the same time and to po- pose multiple threats. They all, to, to certain levels, um, take pride in the blocking part of it. I don't think any of the three of them is a real liability in the blocking department. Some are better than others. I think Brenton Strange is their best dual threat. Um, Theo Johnson is their, their best pass catcher and best overall athlete. And Tyler Warren is super versatile and can do a little bit of everything too. So um, I, I re- as a group, I really like these guys. And um, in, in this top 40 list, we had Tyler Warren at number 37 and Brenton Strange at number 29. Now we've got Theo Johnson at number 14. And I think the differentiator when we're looking at these three guys is Theo Johnson has the highest ceiling. And he looked last season like he was going to start realizing it soon. Um, how the snaps get divvied up and who's deemed the official starter and all that stuff is, is still has to work itself out. How much volume are going to, are they going to throw the tight ends way um, in year two under Mike Yersich is something I'm curious about, but in terms of inflicting damage to opposing defenses, Theo Johnson is the guy out of this group. Looking at him downfield, middle of the field, hitting him in the in the seam, throwing up jump balls. I mean, he is an exceptional athlete, and I, I don't think you have to look any further than the fact that he broke Mike Gesicki's tight end school record in the 40-yard dash, running about a 4-5-1, I think, was, was the time. So when he's 6'6", 255, 260, and he's running a 4-5 in the 40, I mean, there's really something here, and I do feel like this is the year. And I, I, I think Brenton Strange is going to get his. I think Tyler Warren's going to get his. But Theo Johnson, I think, is in a position where he can greatly improve on last season's production. Dustin, I, I get it. Why Theo Johnson? You have first among the three. Makes a lot of sense. But I'm thinking that the biggest variable here is something you touched upon. This is the one position we could think of them as one entity. And the bigger variable, I don't think, is which guy gets more throws or more touches or more downs. It's will Mike Yursich integrate the tight end into the offense more this year, right? I mean, it, it is a fair uh, question to ask, especially in the context of the offense where I think the wide receivers make the same type of claim for for targets as they did last year, even with Jahan Dotson moving on, Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley, Keandre Lambert-Smith, similar mix of guys there. And they've talked, obviously, all winter, all spring, into the summer now about how important it is to everyone that they get the run game going. And whether that means they're going to run the ball more often or whether they're just going to run the ball better, whatever that means, there's a lot of different priorities to try to touch on. I'm not sure if the volume for the tight end position is going to be expanding a great deal. Um, you know, you give your such a, a full year, um, a full off season after that year. I mean, maybe he can reshuffle the deck and, and utilize these guys. Um, but I would also say 
And let's just say for a second that the tight end position doesn't grow in importance. It doesn't get a lot more looks than it did last year, which I think is a very distinct possibility. Where I think Theo Johnson's role can grow is as that red zone guy. You know, you look at the other you look at the other pass catchers in this offense, you're not talking about big hulking figures, right? You're not talking about jumbo wide receivers that you can throw jump balls to. These guys are winning with route running, they're winning with precision, they're winning with quickness. Theo Johnson will provide, I think, the best set of red zone hands that Penn State has. And you might see them interchangeable down there. I'm not sure. But, you know, Pat Fryermuth carved out a role where he was trusted in that situation. I feel that Theo Johnson can be trusted in, the, in that situation. And if he makes a couple plays early in the, in the end zone, in the red zone, um, I think you're going to see Sean Clifford lean on that as the year goes on. When the, when the field gets compact and, and it's hard to find space, he gives you more margin for error than any other pass catcher in this offense. And I believe the other part of this equation is, Dustin, a year ago you had a leaky offensive line and a quarterback who wasn't at his best under pressure. If that's going to be the case again this year, the tight end can always be that safety valve guy. You know, when you're in trouble as a quarterback, look for him. And we really didn't see that be the case last year. Perhaps this year it will be. And again, as you said, there's a couple different options there. All right, we're going to go back to uh, defense again for uh, player number 13. And that's cornerback Kalen King. Came in last year as the freshman that everybody was talking about. I think James Franklin used the phrase, the best prepared freshman he's ever seen. Uh, Come in. He did get a a pretty lot of play last year. The assumption is he's going to be that starting guy on opposite Joey Porter Jr., right? And I think, and and this is why he's high in importance. I think that's a distinction on this particular list that needs to be made is that I don't think we're necessarily ranking Penn State's best players. I think these are just guys like what Penn State needs to ask of them. Is, is very important. And for Kalen King, um, asking to, to swap in for Tariq Castro-Fields, asking to be likely a, a starting option there, and to take on high-level wide receivers on a down-to-down basis, I mean, that's going to be a new role for him. I, I feel like, um, you know, we saw him with a couple hiccups early as a true freshman. They, they leaned on him a little bit. They gave him some, some run in key situations. Uh, had a couple plays where he wasn't able to make them. But then in the second half of the year, that's when it really became clear, like, oh, that's what the Penn State coaching staff saw in him. Uh, Being prepared, uh, being able to mirror opposing wide receivers, being able to have um, kind of a short memory of what's going on is huge for a cornerback. Uh, getting beat or getting a penalty or, you know, you are, that's going to happen. So the ability to be able to come right back from that and not let one play drag into the next. I mean, it looks like he's got all those different types of abilities. And um, I, I think he can definitely slot in there for Tariq Castro Fields. I think he's going to be in a position where, you know, if, if Penn State's got two perimeter players, uh, one's Joey Porter Jr. and one's Kalen King, Joey Porter's Jr.'s reputation is going to precede him. And I think you're going to see more teams 
uh, opt to not test Joey Porter Jr. as much. And and if you're not going to test him as much, then you're going to be looking the other the other kid's way. And maybe Kalen King is, is that guy where he's going to have to stand up to that early in the season. So I think um, you know you saw progress late last year. You knew he was on a mental level and from a football IQ perspective, he was a very very pleasant surprise for the Penn State coaching staff. It all kind of adds up to not that we're assuming he's going to be a great player in year two, but we're, we almost are. And I think Penn state needs him to be, um, to, to have two dynamic corners in there. No disrespect to Johnny Dixon, but I don't think he's, he's got quite the ceiling that Kalen King does. I mean, I think, you know, not only do I think that Kalen King could ultimately prove to be an upgrade over Tariq Castro fields before too long, you have two guys here, the the one-two punch at cornerback, that could be one of the best in the entire country if both of these guys realize all of their potential this year. I'm with you, Dustin. I do think it could be an upgrade over Tariq Castro-Fields, who I think just was always seen to be nicked up a bit, um, and that was part of the issue that he dealt with. And as far as that leap from freshman to sophomore, it just you remind me of it when you said this brought this up. Al McGuire, he was the old basketball coach. He won a national championship with Marquette many years ago. And he said the best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores. And I just think of that with Kalen King. I think he was good last year, but I think just that experience being thrown out on the field, we're going to see him a much more finished product with him as a sophomore. Yeah, and I think um, the the way that he closed last season was very productive. You look at the Outback Bowl where he had maybe his biggest role of the year, seven tackles and a a pass breakup. He's got that cornerback swagger. He's got the feet. He's got the hips. The physical tools are there to be able to be a shutdown guy. And you look at, you know, the circumstances of this Penn State defense, they they need somebody to be a strong starter opposite uh, Joey Porter Jr. I think he is that. And I think if, if everything goes to plan, Joey Porter Jr. is more than likely leaving after after this season to go to the NFL and you're looking at, okay, who's going to be the number one guy. And that's probably going to be Kalen King again. So you're looking at a, a transition here from him going from a number three or number four guy as a true freshman to being asked to be the number two cornerback to then having a year or two where he's is Penn state's top dog. And I think he's going to, he's going to show this year that Penn state should be comfortable in him making that transition. Um, you know, to, to be raved about as much as he has been from a mental standpoint, to be able to see in the second half of last year, physically where he's at. I mean, this is a really good player now who's still got a lot to grow in to yet and I think game experience is really just that missing ingredient uh, and I expect him to get plenty of it this year and Dustin you mentioned that this ranking isn't just about talent it's how important they are to the team winning this year and another variable to this is everything we hear about Manny Diaz is they want to put pressure on the quarterback Uh, they're going to do more of that. They're going to gamble a bit. They're going to take more chances. And when you do that, it can end up being a cornerback on an island somewhere. It puts more pressure on those guys, and it makes them more valuable or more important, okay? And hopefully they will be valuable by succeeding by being put on an island like that. It will just add to 
the importance of both Joey Porter Jr. and Kalen King. So him stepping up will be very important to this defense. That is it for quarter number two. Stick around, quarter number three. We're going to continue the countdown. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind we are start your journey today order online at ypennstate.com hi this is dustin hawkinsmith from the keystone sports network for the best penn state football analysis and commentary go to keystonesportsnetwork.com the rest of the ksn team and i will bring you game reviews player evaluation recruiting news and plenty more you may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits that's keystonesportsnetwork.com you can also take keystone sports network with you go to your app store and download keystone sports for your mobile device for Penn State football news 52 weeks a year count on the Keystone Sports Network we are tech results located right here in state college we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites our clients include doctor's offices lawyers construction companies and even hairdressers we provide help with their industry specific software learn more at techresults.com that's t-e-k results Dot com or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. I'm with Dustin Hawkinsmith. We are at quarter number three. We are doing our KSN Top 40 Countdown. Dustin, this segment, we are at numbers 12 and 11. And we're going to start back up on the offense with left tackle Olu Fashanu. He's came on late last season. He was the choice when Rasheed Walker... As we found out late, he was injured, wasn't going to play in the bowl game. He became the choice for left tackle. And I'll tell you what, considering all of the issues with the offensive line, the fact that he will be a first-year starter at left tackle, I'm not sure just by position importance that Olu Fashanu is a little underrated at number 12. You, you could you could move him up without without a doubt. You are, you we're getting into that terrain here where um, you're getting to more proven guys and and as you're getting to more proven guys, I think I just kind of gave them a little bit of a nod over Fashanu. But in the grand scheme of the offensive line, I mean they need some things to go right at at least a few of those positions. 
And we talked last quarter about Kalen King maybe being a bit of an improvement over a dinged-up Tariq Castro-Field. It's a pretty similar thing you can say about Olu Fushanu at left tackle. Could he be an upgrade over a dinged-up Rashid Walker? This was a guy who was supposed to be you know, a first-round pick. There, that, that talk was ongoing for over a year with Rashid Walker. It was kind of contingent upon him having um, a big 2020 and or 2021 season, and it didn't happen for him. I think because of injury, he ends up going in the seventh round to Green Bay and maybe ends up making the most of his talent when he gets there, but... Olufashanu gave enough in the Outback Bowl to really be intrigued by what he could bring to the table as a full-time starter. And, you know, I think James Franklin rolled out his five guys who were most likely to start for Penn State at offensive line um, during the spring. And it looks like a pretty solid uh, pretty solid five that, that might end up being the, the, how it goes in the starting lineup, Olufashanu being at left tackle. But since the Outback Bowl, we've just seen a lot of stuff where the coaching staff is recognizing him. He's being recognized for his uh, uh, for his academic exploits. He, he's you know getting praise from all different types of people, and I think all of it kind of paints a picture of this guy maybe being somebody that you know you can rely on in 2022. And Sure, you know, you're going to have to grow with that. He's going to be asked to to play on a down-to-down basis. He's going to be asked to take on, you know, more talented edge rushers a lot of the time. And there's still a lot for him to prove, but I love the way he looks. I love the way he moves. Um, his, His strength seems to be an asset. He seems to be a really good student. He seems to be a really good learner. There's a lot of stuff that, that you think about, you know, you want your left tackle to be mentally and physically and without seeing him, you know, over a full body of work, uh, Olu Fushanu looks like he's that guy who, who can handle that. And I'll tell you what, the left side of the line really kind of intrigues me, excites me a little bit when you're talking about Fashanu at left tackle. And I'm guessing it's going to be Landon Tangwall at left guard. You're going to have a really mobile left tackle, and you're going to have a really mobile left guard. They're both going to be um, young players who are going to grow together. They're both, you know, Tangwall is going to be next to Juice Scruggs, um, who we'll get to a little bit later. I mean, I, I think there's some reason to believe that this group can grow together. And everybody that has followed the Penn State football program under James Franklin is exhausted by the idea of this being the year that the offensive line pulls through so much so that it's like the hype dies down and it would be this year where it finally actually happens. Um, I think there's some reason to believe that it can. We talk about the offensive line so often. You're right. So I know I've said this before, Dustin, but what really excites me about Fashanu and Tengwall on that left side is remember last year prior to the bowl game, Tengwall got some time at left tackle, and we thought, hey, he was going to be the next guy after Rasheed Walker. And here we go with Rasheed Walker out for the bowl game. I thought, well, Tengwall will be the guy. And no, it was Fashanu. So this is the coaching staff saying, you know what? We may have a pretty good guy there in Tengwall at tackle, but we think even more highly of Fashanu. And then I think moving Tangwall tackle to guard, all the more, re- and I know this is supposed to be about Fashanu, 
but I think the pair of them together, you know, I'm lumping them together. I probably would have done some kind of tie with the two of them, you know, 12A, 12B, something to that effect. And whenever I watched replays of games last year and I'd freeze frame what happened when there was a mistake, meaning there was a sack, the, a mistake on the offensive line, so often I pointed at Rasheed Walker seemed to be the guy making the mistake. And that's the thing. He might have been doing a lot of good things also, but when there was a problem, a lot of times it was on Walker. So I think it will be an upgrade with Fashanu coming in. I, I think the other asset here... And where it's going to be, maybe it's pressure on Phil Troutwine, maybe it's opportunity for Phil Troutwine. You're going to have more guys in this group who have spent a higher percentage of their careers learning under him as opposed to somebody that came before him. And I think there's probably something to be said about that where Olu Fushanu has a deeper Phil Troutwine imprint than Rasheed Walker did. And whether that ends up meaning something or not, I, I guess we'll have to kind of wait and see. Um, but I, I feel like that's probably a good thing to have a couple young guys who they've been better molded for um, a larger portion of their careers uh, under the same offensive line coach that they have now. So that'll be one thing that'll be interesting to follow. And um, I do think uh, Fashanu, I think it was, it was a sign in the Outback Bowl of how much they believed in him long term at left tackle as opposed to somebody else and how much at that point in time they were thinking about where Lana Tangwall's optimal position was um, either over the short or the long term. I'm not sure, you know, I, I think he might not be stuck at left guard over the entire remainder of his career. I think he's somebody who maybe slots over to right tackle next year if Caden Wallace moves on. Um, but I think this was definitely a sign that they were willing to bet that the offensive line was going to grow around Olu Fashano being at left tackle. And then they ultimately found a home for Tangwa at left guard. But Olu Fashano, I think, checks more boxes athletically and uh, and with his body type than, than Landon Tangwa does. You know, I thought Landon Tangwa arrived on Penn State's campus ready to contribute right away. But I did have questions about long-term, how high his ceiling was. I didn't really foresee him as a left tackle because I didn't really see somebody who moves side to side, um, who has the feet to do that. I think Olu Fushanu does, and I think Landon Tengwall could be an, uh, kind of an ultimate flex player as either a guard or a tackle. You mentioned Cade Wallace. We'll use that as our segue to number 11, uh, who is right tackle Caden Wallace on our list. I think I would have reversed the two just because of that importance that I place on the left tackle, Dustin. But uh, Caden Wallace is a, just being part of the offensive line. He's important. And I look at, he's got something to prove this year. And I like him being in, in that position. I think him being in that spot and him, him being more uh, established and being an older player, being somebody who still has some ceiling left, um, I, I did kind of give him the edge over Fashanu in these rankings that are totally arbitrary and, and subjective. Um, but Caden Wallace, with 20 starts under his belt now, um, got, has got to be stung a bit from the fact that he took a step backwards instead of a step forward last year. I don't know exactly what the explanation uh, would be. Maybe Ross has an idea of, of why he didn't take a step forward. 
Um, you look at him, you know, he is huge. He is a wide body, big, wide shoulders. I don't think he's really um, what you draw up to be a nimble offensive tackle, but this is the position he finds himself in. And if Penn State really didn't believe that he could do that job, last season, this, this past offseason would have been an opportunity to think about moving him, and they didn't move him. So I think they really believe that he's got a bounce-back season um, under him. I don't know what the explanation was for why he re- seemed to regress a little bit. I have questions about how well he can handle um, speedy edge rushers. Um, he's going to have to prove that. He's going to have to show that on film to try to limit how much opposing teams try to pick on him as far as that goes. But he's a guy that if Penn State is able to establish itself in the run game, if they're able to take that step forward, he's a guy who benefits. Because if he's getting a chance to more often roll downhill and just body guys, he's in a better position to succeed than if he's being asked to be on an island down after down after down. So if they're more successful in the run game and they're and they're staying on schedule better and they're able to disguise what's going on and they're able to limit how often opposing pass rushers can just tee off on Sean Clifford, if, they, if the offense is better, then Caden Wallace is in a better position to succeed. Um, they, I think him being in third and longs and second and longs as often as he was, it exposed him to what his biggest question is, um, which is in pass protection and being able to go toe-to-toe with, with a guy who's got an explosive first step. How well can he keep up with that? But I think if, if the offense is more functional and efficient, Caden Wallace is probably in, in that position less often. Dustin, with having two offensive linemen in this segment, seems like the right time for me to ask you this. There are going to be three new players on the offensive line, another player who's moving position, foreshadowing there, and Caden Wallace, the only guy returning in the same position. Are you bullish on this offensive line because of those changes, or does all that change make you more leery of them? Well, I think after seeing that um, productive veterans just really weren't getting them there last year, uh, Rasheed Walker being dinged up and, and, and being exposed at certain times last year, Mike Miranda, you know, sort of being ended up being more of a liability than an asset. I think shaking things up and getting away from the same old, same old can only help with that. I think Caden Wallace um, still has exciting talent. I think Juice Scruggs really has exciting talent. And I think obviously the same can be said about uh, Landon Tangwall and Olu Fashanu. It's going to be a brand new group of five and and why you have to kind of lump them all five together in one uh, as one unit when you uh, assess them. But I am more more bullish than bearish on, on this group because I think addition by subtraction is a real possibility. I do too. In fact, I've used that addition by subtraction several times on this very show, Dustin, and I think this is the case of it. So we have, we're going to hit our top 10 when we hit quarter number four, Dustin. And guess what? Another offensive lineman. Want to stay tuned for that. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. 
truststatecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lion's soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsworth from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. It's quarter number four, Dusty. And we have finally reached our top ten in our top 40 countdown. And guess what, Dustin? Surprise, surprise. We're going to talk about another offensive lineman. And that's center Juice Scruggs. He made that switch with Miranda late last season. Juice Scruggs got most of his play at guard. Late in the year, they swapped positions with Miranda. He moved over to center. And you got to think that it was done last year for a reason and that they expected Juice Scruggs to be the better player at center, which leads me to think we'll probably get better center play this year than we did a year ago. Well, I mean, you think about, you know, a couple fixtures on this line, Penn State clearly discovered that the season before. So you think about um, Caden Wallace, uh, moving into that starting right tackle job, Will Fries moved inside. And I think it, it was made for a little bit of a short-term spark. Um, I think it was made seeking out the best combination of five and uh, also made, you know, I, I think James Franklin uh, shared the truth whenever he said it was, it was Will Fries' ultimate position at the next level. So there's some win-win capability there. And I think last year, was really more of uh, we we need to be better at the center position than than we have been. Uh, Mike Miranda is a guy who who had had some success at guard uh, and made sense. He made sense at at center, but I think when you look at Juice Scruggs, I mean it's a it's a night and day difference in terms of their physical ability. Um, Juice Scruggs last year went into it still with with some questions about you know short term and long term coming back from some serious injury in, in a car crash. Um, so 
but I, I do think he brings more to the table at the center spot. And I think it's a really important spot uh, on this offensive line where he is, he's longer, faster, longer arms, probably a little stronger than, than Mike Miranda. And it all translates into a guy who can explode out of that center position and, and actually do some damage um, get down the field, wipe out a, a defender or two. I mean, he has a lot of ability, and um, it's good to see him realizing that after you know some some things were called into question with his health. Uh, but I think his his level of importance, and this is the first I realized that I had three offensive linemen in a row, 12, 11, and ten. Um, but I, I I don't I don't mind that. We had Olufashanu at, at twelve and Caden Wallace at eleven, uh, the two bookends and the center. Yeah, I mean they're they're huge for this offensive line. It's the most important and critical position to see growth this season. So all three of these guys are really important. But um, I think the upside with Juice Scruggs is much higher at center than it ever would have been with a guy like Mike Miranda. I, I think you're right. More more athletic, which is a good thing, of course. But what you also have at center, Dustin, is a little bit more than just all the physical attributes. You have to be able to snap the ball and, you know, you're calling the blocking schemes, correct? Yeah, you have to you have to be able to communicate that. Uh, you have to be able to recognize what's going on. You have to be able to adapt to what the quarterback uh, is doing. And the good thing is, I mean, Juice Scruggs was, I believe, the first, I mean, he's the first and only um, Penn State guy as a prospect coming out of Cathedral Prep in Erie to be recruited as a center. You know, he was a center. Uh, Connor McGovern, I, I believe, was recruited in, a, as a center as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to have that experience, obviously a different ball game when you're jumping up to the next level. But there's comfort in the act of snapping, and there's comfort in the act of communicating and being the leader and being the guy that people are going to look to. Uh, you know, the, the big difference is not just executing the snap, but getting yourself ready to be a blocker after the snap, being ready to get down the field, being ready to make a push in the run game. And I think that requires somebody who's done it before, but also who's who's quick. And I think Juice Scruggs is very, very quick and explosive uh, of an of an athlete. And I think that's pretty exciting to think about for this offensive line. I think that the best five last season involved Juice Scruggs being at center, certainly the best five this year include him being at center. Dustin, I'm going to move on very quickly from this number 10 Juice Scruggs because I want to give the allocate enough time for number nine, which is freshman, true freshman running back Nick Singleton, a guy who probably will start second team at best in that opener, but has made it to the top 10 in your list. How come? Well, I mean, you think back to last year, and obviously the offensive line had problems. Obviously the offense as a whole had problems. Um, Sean Clifford was nicked up. But I really do feel like one of the contributing factors for their inability to get a whole lot going in the run game, I just don't think they had enough talent at the running back position either. You know, I, I think one way or another, if you're if you're subpar along the offensive line, but you're excellent at running back, you could probably make up for it. 
But when you're subpar along the offensive line and you're subpar talent-wise at running back, that was just a recipe for disaster where they weren't able to get a lot of efficiency going in the ground game at all because none of their running backs really made something out of nothing. And that was hugely important last year. You know, like no running back on the depth chart. I don't think Kevon Lee, I don't think that's necessarily his bread and butter. Noah Kane was kind of a shell of himself last year, but nobody was able to, when things broke down, nobody was able to make something happen. And I think Nick Singleton is the guy that if it's blocked well, he can turn it into a touchdown. If it's not blocked well, he can break a tackle and give himself a fighting chance to get yardage. So I think, you know, yeah, you can tie your hopes to the Penn State offense and to the Penn State run game, to the offensive line being better. Obviously, that's a huge part of it. But I think having a guy like Nick Singleton who can run with speed, power, inside, outside, he's tenacious, he's determined. I mean, his set of skills can overcome. If Penn State doesn't get better on the offensive line, now you have a running back who's physically capable of making up for that. And when you're an offensive line and you've got a running back behind you who you know and are confident that, okay, if it's not blocked perfectly, he can get the job done. I think it has an impact on the collective confidence of all those guys, that they believe in the guy behind them, and they know that they, they don't have to be perfect. I think it helps them from a mental perspective, from their mindset, to, to get things going. And I think Penn State would love to be the team that is super efficient in the run game, that that runs the ball more often and that runs the ball better. And I don't think, I don't think you can do that without Nick Singleton being the guy who touches the ball the most out of your backfield. And, you know, he probably won't get that first start against Purdue. It'll be Kevon Lee most likely, but do you picture him, Dustin, essentially getting what I'll call the LeVar Arrington treatment? He's not the starter, but he may end up still uh, getting the most carries, the most carries and the most yardage. Well, I I would say the Saquon Barkley treatment too. I I'll make that that comparison over and over again. You go into a year as a coaching staff, you got the guy who's been there for you for a couple of years. In this case, it's Kevon Lee. Uh, it's it's kind of an honor to him. It's it's a it's it's a nod of respect to your veteran to say that truly it's it's your job to lose because we owe that to you. You've been there for us. Two years ago, we didn't have anything left at the running back position, and you led the way when we went into the season thinking we weren't going to ask you for anything, and now we're leaning on you as our top rusher. I think there's some respect for Kevon Lee and the job that he's done and what he brings to the table. But ultimately, you know, just like Saquon Barkley um, overcame that with, with Akeel Lynch, I don't remember when he made his first start. It was It was – what maybe three games into that uh, that season, I think the same thing's going to play out where it becomes so crystal clear to anybody with eyeballs that Nick Singleton gives you the best chance to win that you start him and that you ride him and uh, you know you sprinkle in some of these other guys. But Nick Singleton is worth building your offense around. I think it's going to be clear as day as as they get through you know week two, week three, week four, and that he ultimately becomes the starter prior to the first half of the season being. Over. And running back is that position where you can come in as a freshman and make a difference. We know that. Sometimes the, and I'll call it sometimes the excuse of not putting them in, 
they're not a good blocker. But from everything I've heard about Nicholas uh, Singleton is he'd probably be both a willing and able blocker. Well, and, and I think that comes to him from a personal level, too. Like, he's got a certain quiet confidence about him. He's got a level of determination, and, and I just don't see a lot. I don't see any prima donna in him. I don't see any portion of him that values one part of his job more than the other. So he's going to take a lot of pride in the blocking part of it. He's also probably going to understand that his path to becoming who he wants to become includes him being a trustworthy blocker. You can't be out there in every situation if the quarterback can't trust you, the head coach can't trust you to pick up a blitzer. You know, he's going to understand that. And, uh, you know, as long as that's the case, and as long as I'm not guessing wrong about that, I don't think I am, um, he's going to be the guy who, you know, they talk about his physical strength, how much he lifts, how much he squats. Um, Everybody on the offense and the defense who's been interviewed and asked about Nick Singleton has been blown away by him through the winter and the spring and, and through the early part of the summer here. I mean, there's so much here to, to just be able to um, not assume, but to be able to anticipate that Nick Singleton is going to be the real deal much sooner than later. And that he's a guy who you're going to be able to count on to be, you know, a rising star in this offense. Um, they've got everything else covered. I think he can single-handedly make the job of the offensive line easier. You know, if, if they had somebody like him last year, maybe it's a different conversation. I don't. I, maybe I'm overstating that, but I don't think I am. I, I think they were at a, a, a real working deficit talent-wise at running back, and they they struggled up front. And then why wouldn't they struggle collectively to run the football? So I think there's hope here uh, between the the potential for addition by subtraction on the offensive line, but also the influx of talent here with Nick Singleton and Katron Allen to shake up this running back room. Prediction from you: At which game will Nick Singleton? get the most carries how many games into the season how many how many games in will he get like to the like the 20 carry mark maybe no just he will get the most carries among the running backs uh i'm gonna say auburn week three september 17th all right i wouldn't be surprised if it happened in game one you know comes in in the second quarter breaks off a good run or two next thing you know yeah we can't take the guy out all right dustin that's it for the show Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, Local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com.
Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news, 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. 